And I think a healthy, certainly respect, and healthy, rightfully placed fear of the holiness of God is something that is certainly part of his character and nature. Maybe we don't emphasize as much these days. Yes. But you know, kind of an understanding of that, I, I think you can fall over kind of in the ditch on the other side of the road and be so scared of him that you don't see him as father. But yet that balance, um, there is certainly a healthy fear, I think, and, and respect of God in the Islamic culture that a rightful emphasis for everyone would be appropriate. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, we welcome the Finchers in the studio. Dr. Tim and Nino Fincher are here. Finchers, welcome to Memphis. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. We have a mutual friend, Ronnie Stevens. Now, how do you guys know Ronnie? Oh, well, I guess I have to leave that to, We're to just Nino. We're really she, lucky, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pleasure Ronnie, to be here. Ronnie, thanks for having us. He came to Dallas Seminary when I was there, and we did a worship and praise event, and he, he really enjoyed it and invited me to come to Memphis at the time to speak at his church retreat. We became friends from there. So are you musically inclined? No. I like music, <laughs> okay. but uh, yeah, I, I spoke at the women's retreat. For some reason, I was thinking there was a solo involved. Yeah, no. <laughs> Tim's the soloist, right? Yeah, he's that. the one who sings. Like, careful, careful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll, that'll definitely drop your ratings. <laughs> well, Tim, just a stone's throw away, you went to the University of Arkansas. Go Hogs, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I had the chance to, to grow up in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, so not far at all, a couple hours from here, and then study at the University of Arkansas, and then... Uh, medical school at uh, in Little Rock, University of Arkansas, medical sciences. And then uh, somewhere in there, the Lord just kind of put on my heart to, to study Scripture a little more deeply and had an opportunity to take a year and, and just study it at Dallas Seminary. Was that, that the meeting place? That is correct. It was. Was it love at first sight? <laughs> Maybe it, it, She's like, know. yeah, for me, <laughs> yeah, but not for I her. I had to warm up just a little bit, but I eventually got there. <laughs> it took so, a year, yeah. What did he do to woo you and convince you yeah. that he was the man for you? He was a very gracious young man, and he, he took care of the people that most people avoided at the seminary and did things mm-hmm. very thoughtfully and like a true gentleman, and it was very impressive. You know, that's something that my wife's attracted to. And for me, anytime I serve somebody else— hmm. And especially somebody who can't help themselves. Hmm. And really, as Christians, that's really the call in our life, isn't it? Hmm. Jesus talked about the Good Samaritan. What an example of Hmm. giving to someone in tragic times, troubled times. Uh, And that's that's really uh, where our heart should be. uh, Without question, especially at the hospital, we have you know one of our core values is serving others first because we do want to follow and we want to emulate Him who did not come to be served but to serve. Yes, and so we talk about that often and really try to celebrate that around the hospital when we see you know on a weekly basis people putting others ahead of themselves, loving others more than they love their own comfort. Yes. Then we try to celebrate it because it really builds on the legacy of of Kennett Hospital that was so attractive to us when we first heard the story. Well, when you mentioned Kennett Hospital, we want to let our listeners know exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That is, and you're going to have to help me with some of the language here because I don't typically speak in some of the, the lands where we're going. United Arab Emirates is where al Ain saying mm-hmm. it wrong. Al-Ain. Al-Ain. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> it's a different letter yeah, in Arabic. Yeah. And it actually means the eye 
or means like the headwater of a spring, like the source of a spring. In 2017, you took on the role as the CEO of the hospital. You've been serving as an ophthalmologist since 2009. So we had the opportunity, hospital with an incredible legacy. Since 1960. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. there were Before mission- there was a, a United Arab Emirates. Missionaries mm-hmm. from America went to create, and I, I love, again, as we talk about reaching out in times of need. At the time, infant and maternal mortality rate was very high. Mm-hmm. Other endemic diseases like tuberculosis, malaria, the population was declining. Right. Mm -hmm. It was a big need there, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It was a very harsh desert environment. This was before the discovery of oil, which was therefore before electricity was available, before air conditioning, you know, in a very warm uh, climate. There's just a lot of need uh, medically. Whereas you said, I mean, one out of every two children die before the age of one. The ruler of the country at that time, Sheikh Zayed, who's really the forefather uh, of the country, an incredibly gracious man, very revered by the population there and really throughout the world, saw this need um, in the community and invited a couple of physicians from the United States who had had spent time at Wheaton and then later uh, at medical college in Philadelphia. And both really, they just felt a sense that they wanted to use all the gifts, the experiences, the education God had given them to help those throughout the world that were in need. And so Sheikh Zayed invited them and showed them gracious hospitality to allow them to practice quality medicine and to demonstrate and convey the compassion and love of Jesus Christ. What's it like to view the mountain panoramas of the summit in Jabal Hafiz? Is am I saying that right? <laughs> Jabal Hafiz. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a beautiful place. I think the second highest peak in United Arab Emirates. You know, really, you get an, a nice view over the city, also into Oman, as we're really a border town. Uh, half of the city is in United Arab Emirates. Half is in Oman. Uh, they shared that oasis. It was really a reliable source of water for the area. Okay. And, and how fresh are the dates? Oh, Fantastic. <laughs> the absolutely best. beautiful. You're really throughout the year. I mean, the main season is between May and July. Uh, but then they have really nice ways to preserve them through the year. And how often do you guys ride camels? I finally did, uh, did you? you know, a couple of months ago for the first time. And what was that like? It, it was interesting. Yeah. You know, I prefer horses. But, yeah. You know. it's, yeah, it's, it's really the takeoff and landing that are the challenges because it's a tall animal. Well, Tim, as a medical doctor, typically a job as a doctor can be prestigious. Opportunities to stay stateside, you could have really potentially a bigger economic amount. Sure. So what was it about hmm. this position? You decide to leave stateside medical practice mm-hmm. to a far land like this. Yeah, I guess I'd always really gone into medicine with a sense of calling, that this was something um, that God had had provided for me, just kind of a, an ability, you know, to study and to learn and to apply those principles to helping others. And that specifically, it would be best utilized where the need is the greatest. And so just building uh, really on that legacy of the Kennedys, who you know pulled their ships up on the shore, left everything, and followed Christ. Um, that really resonated with me. The more we heard the stories, specifically in the UAE, and how that people are there from every country of the world. We had the opportunity to serve patients from 107 different countries last year, and so to be able to interact, to use medical skills to improve their life, and to do that in a way that we can 
really openly represent the compassion and love of Jesus and have very respectful conversations while we do that. It just seemed like just a beautiful opportunity. Yeah. And something worth more than anything that we could gain, you know, from kind of the lucrative financial opportunities here. Do you know for you? For me, we were kind of headed in two different directions. He was going to Africa, and I was going to Italy, and we sort of decided that, that's in, not going to work. The so, <laughs> so God said, no, this is where you're both going to go. You grew up in a country with deep and ancient Christian tradition that was untouched by the Reformation, of Soviet onslaught mm-hmm. in Georgia. How did you come out of that unlikely background to end up as a Protestant and also graduate from an American seminary? That's quite a journey. So... I became a believer through the ministry of Campus Crusade, or crew, at the time. They were called Campus Crusade for Christ. And I was asked to translate for them, for one of the teams that was on our campus. At the end of that semester, to say thank you, they invited us to the first Bible Institute that opened in Russia that year. I think it was 89. It may have been later. Years aren't my my strength. (laughs) Um, When I went there uh, is where really God taught me about himself. You know, apologetics is what attracted me. So all the lectures were centered on apologetics. Also, while I was there, I I met a couple who served with Dallas Seminary, and they sort of encouraged me to pursue it, and, um, you know, the rest is history. Way way leads on to way. Day to day, you get up, you fix breakfast, or he fixes his own breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) She's gracious. She helps me. (laughs) You're off to the office. Typical, is it a nine to five, or what's a day look like for you? Yeah, more five to nine (laughs) than nine to (laughs) five. But uh, yeah, having the opportunity to serve as CEO um, has been phenomenal. I mean, the first, uh, well, honestly, the first six months were incredibly difficult. It was um, January 2020, you know, right before worldwide pandemic sets in. So it was quite a challenge, but God's been incredibly gracious. And at this point, we really have a good team that he's brought together to kind of help lead and guide the hospital and really help us focus on our original intent and calling of the hospital, which is to honor God by providing exceptional whole person health care with the compassion and love of Jesus Christ. And so really starting the day just with that, that focus in mind, I mean, how do we fulfill that purpose in all of our decisions, all of our meetings, all of our interactions, you know, throughout the day? You know, it can easily start with, because of the time difference, you know, some calls, some discussions with friends back here, especially as we're trying to increase the visibility of the opportunity that God has given us um, and connect with physicians, nurses, uh, those in kind of in clinical medicine who really would love to have the opportunity to demonstrate the fullness of the love of Christ to friends and neighbors who have never seen an accurate representation of him. I think it's also a good note. I've been to the website, and there's a, is a place on the site for careers, and we'll get that mm. site afterwards because mm. there might be somebody listening with the medical expertise and, and might see something mm-hmm. and connect mm-hmm. because there are some opportunities, positions there, and I think that's a great thing. Mm. Uh, what about your expectations when you first arrived there? How have those expectations been met? What specific disappointments and maybe frustrations have you battled with? I think, yeah, certainly, I mean, you never really know exactly what to expect. I would say that the hospitality that we receive from some of the Emirati community, the Omani community, uh, just friends and neighbors has been overwhelming. And that was just incredibly gracious. We've felt like 
we rarely meet strangers, especially because of the legacy of the hospital. Yes. If I mention working at the hospital, someone in their family would have been born there. Yes. The hospital would have contributed to their health in some manner. And normally that ends up with an invitation to coffee, an invitation to dinner, come over, they'll bring us dates, which then allows for you know a lot of deeper, very respectful conversations that has been kind of a lot more fun and just a lot, uh, very, very smooth and welcomed. Our friends there come from an oral tradition and love to hear stories. And there's a lot of stories uh, of Jesus's love and his kindness toward people and the character of his nature, especially where that his actions just so matched his words. You know, what he did was what he said. That integrity of character is is a unique feature. And so just getting to talk about those and and provide some emphasis on different points, I think the opportunities to do that have been much more welcomed than I expected before we move there. Yes. I think one of the things, you know, we get bombarded by the 10 o'clock news there's radical people, world religions and faiths. Sure. But there's really some people, like you're saying, that are very hospitable, that are open for conversation, mm-hmm. that are open to have friends of other cultures and really? have American friends. Right. And, and so I, I think it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your experience, you know, as a woman. Yeah. Well, I met a lot of local women right away. And, you know, and anybody who's going to a foreign country, I always recommend that they, they, they make an effort, just meet the people who live there and who are natives, which w- makes a tremendous difference mm. for being able to get comfortable, get used to the culture, ask questions of the people who actually know what they're talking about, you know, instead of mm-hmm. reading about it in books. And I have so many friends there that are mm-hmm. just a part of my heart that I would love to know the Lord the way I know the Lord. They're mm-hmm. precious, and they definitely made all the difference for me. Tell me about some mm-hmm. of those occasions, times that you spend together. You might be invited to their house, or you yep. go to their house? all the time. I mean, one of my friends, one of my first and um, longest friends there, I met at a park. You know, I was there with my boys. The hmm. boys were little when we when we got there. And, and I must say, the parks there are pristine and beautiful. I saw some pictures on the <laughs> website, and make I want to go. Yes, yeah. they're they're very pleasant, hmm. and uh, you know well they maintained. take yeah, mm-hmm. and they take such care of them. And you know, of course, there's water is scarce, scarce, <laughs> and you know, so they they make sure that they're well taken care of and not wasted. So anyway, so one of my friends I met there and uh, she was there with her sister and her children and I asked her about how to pronounce some word in Arabic and she explained it so well that I asked her if I could ask her again later on if I had another Mm -hmm. question. So we exchanged numbers and then we started walking together and it just became a lovely friendship. So if we ever had to leave there, that would be the Mm -hmm. hardest thing to leave all the people and the friends that we've loved for all these years now. What have you both learned about American culture by living outside of America and looking back at it from a distance. There is that initial culture shock, the reverse culture shock, what I call it, because Mm -hmm. I have lived outside of the U.S. And I remember coming back, going to a store and overwhelmed by all the products on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Back where I was, there was limited. I don't know if that's the same conditions where you are or not, Mm -hmm. but there are some differences. Sure. A couple, and these are more, you know, comparisons with other places in the world, not necessarily UAE directly. Right. But- uh, you know, just the opportunities that God has blessed us with here. If people take advantage of those, you know, with a, a sense of work ethic and initiative, what can actually be accomplished, um, and and how that you can improve and 
enhance your life and, and that for those that you love. And that really by your effort and trusting God and, and moving forward, there's a huge opportunity. There's really mm-hmm. very, you know few boundaries on that. Yeah. I think the other challenge that we see often when we come back is just the number of distractions that are readily available in the United States and how that you can pursue things that don't necessarily produce eternal value. Yes. And that, you know, it's there's just always things vying for our attention when we're here. It's easy to become, you know, distracted with lesser things than the fullness and the best that God has for us. Yes. I think the freedoms that are allowed us in this country are, mm-hmm. are exceptional and extraordinary and need to be appreciated and defended and guarded dearly and definitely the, the the freedoms and also it's important to teach the children to appreciate this country mm. you know and to respect it and mm-hmm. to be grateful for the things that are they ought to be grateful right. for patriotism is is a very important quality that needs to be instilled. You mentioned children. How old were your children when you moved in 2009? Um, five and five three. And three. Mm-hmm. They're just so loved there. They're welcomed in every household. There's always, you know, people appreciate them. They want them to be a part of everything they do. And it was very easy in that sense. I've been main- blessed with the school that they attend. You know, many of the teachers really have a focus on them, desire that they learn and really love them, uh, treat them like their own mm-hmm. even. And I think the eclectic nature of the United Arab Emirates has been very valuable, where they have friends from all over the world. Kind of like a melting pot. Yeah, yeah exactly. In, in a way, it's not quite like the U.S. where that it melts together. It's right. a little more, more like a mixing bowl. Okay. <laughs> where that people kind of maintain their culture a lot more strongly than – you know, when we see people move here, maybe it's an Americanized version of their, right. you know, original culture. There, we do see their culture really maintained kind of in pockets, different reasons for that. You know, when you go to an, an Indian restaurant, I mean, you get the full Indian flavor and the yeah, full Indian fire. Indian That's right. <laughs> yeah, you will sweat when you by the time you leave. But even, you know, for the boys, uh, like our youngest, Philip, having friends from Bangladesh, from Pakistan and Libya – being his you know closest friends right. and having really meaningful discussions between them you know regarding culture and faith and beliefs i think that's been very mm-hmm. beneficial and they're how old now 17 and 15 okay so you got teenagers in the house right right <laughs> and it's actually been a lot of fun yeah. uh, just as they've grown their mothers really invested in them and i mean very respectful boys you know who enjoy new challenges and uh, is school year round school is year round <clears throat> feels um, like it to yeah them, i know I'm sure. <laughs> especially this year <laughs> just wouldn't go away <laughs> yeah they have breaks you know two big breaks and then the summer yeah between terms so essentially a christmas break and a spring or easter break based on the british system any interests or hobbies as a family that you like to do together Together, we like to eat out together. That's like fun. To we like out. to eat together. I love yeah. to eat out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We enjoy good documentaries. That's always fun. Yeah. We sit and talk about them. Books, we all like to read, thank God. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we do like outdoor activities, just different That's outdoor true. activities. Yes, everybody's involved in something. Nina would like a horse involved yeah. with her. She likes horses. Did you horses grow, and dogs. Did you grow up with horses? Well, I grew up dreaming about horses. <laughs> yes. And, you know, whenever I had an opportunity, I would ride. But then I grew up dreaming about motorcycles. You see? My parents still wouldn't let me have a motorcycle. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't need to ask them now. No, that's right. That's right. Don't have to now. What can Christians learn from Muslims? We try to 
out of fear, mm. don't engage mm. the things that we don't know much about. So what can we learn? Well, certainly the Scripture talks about that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And I think a healthy, certainly respect, and healthy rightfully placed fear of the holiness of God is something that is certainly part of his character and nature. Maybe we don't emphasize as much these days. Yes. But you know, kind of an understanding of that, I, I think you can fall over kind of in the ditch on the other side of the road and be so scared of him that you don't see him as father. But yet that balance, um, there is certainly a healthy fear, I think, and, and respect of God in the Islamic culture that a rightful emphasis for everyone would be appropriate. You want to add to that? Unity hmm. is very important. Mm -hmm. A lot of us as Christians are very disunited. So I would definitely encourage that. Well, as we start to wind down this half hour together, I want to make sure we give out the website to the hospital. Give us the name of the hospital and that website in case there are anybody in the medical profession that would like to go to learn more and look at the career opportunities and mm -hmm. see if there might be a match. Sure. So it's kennedhospital.org. Want to spell that for us? And yeah. So K-A-N-A-D. Hospital, H-O-S-P-I-T-A-L. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was a spelling bee today. Never <laughs> well, speaking of spelling, I understand that you're a pretty good linguist. Is there multiple languages involved here? Yeah. She's taught me all the Greek, English, Hebrew, and Arabic, too? Um, well, some. I mean, I've, I've studied a lot more than I can speak. Yeah, I think it's a gift, and I've, I've enjoyed it. I think it helps you understand the languages you're learning if you know some of the other ones. It helps you categorize them better. And hmm. It's been fun. But it's such a key to culture and a you know, real understanding of someone's background and their passions. And, and you know, has, has done a great job focusing with Georgian being her native language, uh, Russian being a secondary language, and then English being a third language. And then God's given her opportunities, as she says, to really study other languages and, and specifically well, Arabic. She wanted to go to Italy. So do you speak Italian? Yeah, Italian. I studied, <laughs> studied Japanese, all kinds of languages. <laughs> Before we say goodbye, if you could press home only one message for American Christians, what would that be? I think that especially with in our region of the world and our environment, people really do long to know the full love of God. You know, having opportunities to demonstrate that and then to explain the reason for the hope that's in us. I think there is a, there's just a uniqueness, obviously, of Christ. And there's a uniqueness of those who follow Christ when he shines through their heart that is incredibly attractive, that truly our friends are, are seeking for the fullness of, of that love from a loving Father. And so being very comfortable in just trying, you know, demonstrating that without fear, knowing that that true love is is winsome and attractive. I think, you know, as you look through the book of Acts and whole New Testament, you look at the church, the word that keeps coming over and over is boldly, and they were boldly proclaiming, and they were bold. A boldness would be hmm. so refreshing to see in, in Christians. Them being united about cultural issues and not just being swept up by you know, the ideology or the idol of mm. du jour, you know, but rather focusing in what matters and presenting in within the cultural issues of mm. the day. It's really being bold without being obnoxious, mm. right. you know, yeah. <laughs> that's so important. I mean, speaking the truth in love. Yes. Yeah. So critical. Mm -hmm. This has been great. Thank you for taking time to stop by and giving us a peek you know, <laughs> it's our into your lives 
If folks want to learn more about what you do, you know, if they ever come your way on stuff, mm-hmm. I'd say hi. Sure. Is there an email address? Sure. I'd be happy to, to entertain, uh, you know, questions. And we love having visitors get a glimpse of what you know God is doing in the region and just the hospitality that we experience. So feel free to email me at timothy.fincher at kennethhospital.org. Well, Finchers, thank you so much for sharing your hearts and story with us today. God bless you. Thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom. Hope you have a wonderful r and I guess, while you're here stateside visiting family and friends. Thanks so much. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for being a gracious host. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Far from being an otherworldly religion, Christianity teaches both the importance and the goodness of life in this world. In fact, from Jesus' healing ministry to the work of modern missionary doctors, a consistent feature of the work of the church in the world has been to care for the sick and the needy, and not just point them to the life to come. The first major epidemic that was faced by the church was the Antonine Plague from A.D. 166 to 189. In fear for their lives, the Romans threw the sick out of their homes to die in the streets. Galen, the most prominent physician of the age, knew that he could neither heal its victims nor protect himself. So he just fled Rome and stayed at his country estate. Well, recognizing that all persons were made in the image of God and that Jesus had come to make all things new, body and soul, many Christians ran the other direction. They fought the fall by tending to the sick, at risk and often at the cost of their own lives. And since even basic nursing care can make a significant difference during an epidemic, Christian action saved lives. Their courage and self-sacrifice contributed to the rapid growth of Christianity. For example, when Irenaeus arrived in Lyon from Asia Minor, there were very few Christians, but by the time the plague ended, there were 200,000 believers there. See, from the earliest centuries, Christians embraced the medical theories and practices of the day. Contrary to stereotypes, the early church did not attribute illness to demons, though they did recognize demonization as a very real phenomenon. In fact, the real difference between Christians and the physicians of that day was the willingness to risk their own death in order to treat the sick, convinced that if they died, it would only mean a transition to a better life. Christians also founded the first hospitals in history. By the late 4th century, there were hospitals in both the eastern and western halves of the empire. All of this is just another way that the church has been essential throughout human history. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Please leave us a review at your favorite podcast app. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org.